And I could very clearly feel like someone had sat down on the bed next to me. My one sister, Teresa, come literally floating down the stairs. She never touched those stairs coming down. One night we went downstairs, we heard a bang like something had fallen. Several doors in the kitchen cabinets were open, like wide open. But there's very distinct audio on one of the uh, videos that says, open the door. It's a very nasty, demonic sounding voice. So that is my ghost story. Hi, and welcome to Haunted AF. This is the podcast of real ghost stories told by real people. We are your hosts. I'm Julie Fisk. And I'm Rebecca Black. As you can tell, this is the coronavirus episode of Haunted yes, AF. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm making Rebecca call in because we're self-quarantined. Nobody's sick yeah. in the house. But here's the thing. I have kids. And I don't mean it like, oh, I have kids. I have to. No, I have a 12-year-old who will go into a store and touch everything and then bite her fingernails. <laughs> so this is more about keeping the world safe from us just in case. So hopefully this won't last all too long. So coming up in just a little bit, we're going to talk to Shadow Lemaire out of Austin. She's got some great haunted house stories. And then we've also got some staggering stories from a search and rescue officer that are going to mess you up. So we're doing things a little differently this week. We're going to tape some of our stories together, but then Rebecca is going to tape some of the stories separately in another studio, just so it'll sound better. You mean like this? Don't forget to hit up hauntedaf.com. You can see all our merch there. We got t-shirts, sweatshirts, the protection necklaces from Frentaglio Jewelry. They are fantastic. Again, you can support our local business here, hauntedaf.com. And definitely keep up with hauntedaf.com because we're posting a lot of ideas of haunted things to do right now. Say your whole spring break just got blown out of the water. If you're looking on social media, I'm sure all of us have a friend who just had to cancel some fabulous vacation they've been planning forever. But if you did want to take like a little quick road trip, we did find some really cool haunted hiking trails in Texas. So that's at hauntedaf.com. But we also found this UFO road trip. Okay, so there's a lot of familiar names on this list, like Skinwalker Ranch in Utah or Marfa, Texas. Got to see those lights at some point in your life. But there's also a few places that we haven't heard about, like McMinnville, Oregon, where a farmer took some famous UFO photos back in 1950. Evelyn Trent noticed a strange silvery object in the sky that night and ran to get her husband. He took two photos of it and sent them to the newspaper. Air Force investigators came out to see what was up and were never able to explain the photos. McMinnville, though, now embraces its weird history, even holds a UFO festival in May, which, let's be honest, those are our kind of people. You can also hit up Fargo, North Dakota, where veteran World War II fighter pilot claims he chased a UFO for a full 27 minutes back in 1948. Now, here's what you got to do. Go Google Gorman dogfight. That way you can see all the details. But George Gorman and some air traffic controlmen all saw a relatively small ball of light maneuvering above the airport that night. Air Force investigators interviewed everyone involved and finally listed it in Project Blue Book as a weather balloon. By the way, if you don't know what Project Blue Book is, it was classified documents back then that have since been declassified, which is probably why they're calling it a weather balloon. Yeah. If you go and Google this, look it up. There are so many yeah. people who saw it, so many people who were involved that night. They had Roswell, New Mexico on this list also. But I have to say, I went to Roswell, New Mexico with my husband for the 50th anniversary of the crash. Um, uh-huh. And it was like back when we very, very first started dating and it sucked. Oh my God. Really? Like, yes. Because, okay, they had told people that they were 
were going to let everybody camp out on the crash site. But we got down there. We couldn't find it. We didn't show up until like one o'clock in the morning anyhow. So it's super late. Maybe it was because you were late. And probably we drove everywhere. <laughs> couldn't find a place to sleep. No hotel rooms were open. We ended up sleeping in his Jeep in the in a Walmart, no. in a Walmart parking lot. It was terrifying. No. Okay, you can get all the entire list at hauntedaf.com. We need your help. We need your stories. So do us a favor. Send us an email. Do a little write-up. We love a voice memo, especially if you have an accent. Please send those ghost stories to hauntedafpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's hauntedafpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, so we've also got some great haunted house stories this week. First comes from Ashley. She says, we moved into a haunted house when I was a kid. The home had been abandoned for about 10 years and was in pretty bad shape. Some minor creepy shit started happening when my parents were renovating, like doors slamming in their faces and bizarre electrical problems. But things really went nuts once we moved in. Every morning, we woke up to the TV on a blank snowy screen and at full volume. My mom heard footsteps and voices calling her name. Then breakers would frequently switch to off overnight, but only when my dad was at work. I even saw both a man and a little boy in my room at one point. It was terrifying. At that point, my mom went to a psychic who told us there had been two suicides on the land, which could have been the problem. She also told us to stage the house, which worked for a little while. Now, 20 years later, the activity started back up and my mom, who lived there alone by then, often heard voices outside. She also said that she would hear me and my brother in the house, even though we weren't there. Later on, the house caught fire and burned to the ground, though investigators never found a solid cause for it. So we built a new house on the land and sold it. Good luck to the new owners. Wow. Then Tori wrote in and told us about her haunted apartment. So she said she kept putting a fan in her window only to find it magically taken down and moved into her closet every night. And after that, Tori says, quote, one night my nephew woke up screaming his head off and saying his butt hurt. My sister thought he had an upset stomach and changed his (laughs) diaper, but she found a huge red handprint on one butt cheek and then scratches on the other one. So later, yeah, later that same night, I felt this wham, like somebody had punched me in the mouth. I touched my face and sure enough, my lip was bleeding. I looked around to see if maybe my sister was in there, but nope, I was all alone. After that, it got really weird. The TVs in my room and the living room would turn on and off in sync with each other and then change the station at the same time. We had to unplug them to make it stop and then black mold started growing under my bed and up the wall. I feel like we've heard that before, the whole black mold situation. We heard voices at all hours of the day. After that, I just broke my lease and moved out. Yeah, good for you. So let's get Shadow Lemaire on the phone. She reached out to us on Twitter and said she has some stories to share. Hello. Hi, is this Shadow Lemaire? Yeah. Hi, it's Julie and Rebecca from Haunted AF. How are you? I'm fine. Sorry, it took me a second to answer. I was in the middle of a coughing fit. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Are you okay? Where are you? Um, I am in Austin, um, but I've had a cold since I got back from France two weeks ago, and it just doesn't seem to be going away. <laughs> Is this wrong to ask? I don't know. I don't Did you know. Try getting tested for coronavirus just in case. I guess if it doesn't get better in a couple of days, then I'll go. So, hi, how are you? So nice to hear from you. <laughs> yeah, I hope you feel better. I know. I've, you're like the first person I've talked to who's actually not doing well. Yeah, I'm so, sorry. Yeah, you poor thing. <laughs> well, as long as I can breathe without it hurting, I feel like I'm okay. Tell us a little bit about yourself. My fascination. 
sort of started out when I was young. I lived in a couple of haunted houses and I was pretty intuitive in my teenage years and 20s. Not so much anymore, but it was very in tune back many years ago. And I've been a paranormal investigator for about 15 years or so. I became really interested in it. And I don't know how I felt about it because those shows weren't a thing at the time. Yeah. But friends of mine started reaching out to me and saying, I think I have something in my house. Can you come and look at it? I've been Wiccan for a very long time, so I would go in and sage and do rituals to do the house cleansings, and I don't know if those types of energies gravitate towards me. I tend to believe that's what happens. I have some kind of energy that sort of pulls them towards me, or at least that's my hypothesis anyway. I haven't tested it yet. You actually had some stuff happen to you when you were younger, and I'm just curious what happened. Yeah, my first real encounter, and I would say about 12 or 13, I had lived in a house in Flint, Michigan, and it was just an old house, but it started out with noises at night. You know, of course, when I was in bed, there were things that happened during the day. Um, cupboards in the kitchen would be open. Things would be moved. Uh, the TV seemed to turn on and off by itself occasionally. I had a boom box. The play button would actually press down and play tapes Ooh. and it would shut off. And, and I was like, that's kind of a hard trick to pull off is yeah. when something mm-hmm. actually presses down. Then the noises started at night and we had three levels, the basement, the main floor, and upstairs where the bedrooms were. And on the main floor, there was a door that led to the basement. There is a lock that was on that door. It would lock people in the basement. Oh, no! But it literally, to me, sounded like somebody or something was running up and down the basement stairs and slamming into that door with their shoulder. Oh, we're trying to get in. We're trying to get out. Yeah, you could hear the door make a bang as that chain latched, and then you would hear the chain lighten up as the pressure wasn't on the door. And this would happen repeatedly. So the last thing that happened, I was laying in bed, and I was woken up by a smell, and there is a smell of evil. It, it was the most putrid, horrifying thing I had ever smelled in my life. Is there anything I, that you can compare it to? Yeah, like dead animal or sulfur or barf. Yeah, sulfur, dead animal, decomposing bodies. I have been to a couple of more and Ew. watched autopsies and stuff. So oh, well, cool. um, medical degree. So, yeah. um, ah, nice. so the smell woke me up. The feeling in my room was petrifying. I mean, I felt frozen. It started with the running up and down the stairs. I could hear the door chinking in that chain catching or whatever then the next thing I heard was the chain breaking (gasps) I'm still frozen in bed and then it only got stranger from there it sounded like herds of people coming up the basement stairs and then it sounded like children playing ring around the rosies in the living room which would have been at the end of the stairway at the bottom of the stairs you couldn't make out what they were saying but you could hear laughter and you could hear whispers Mm. it was one of the creepiest things I've ever experienced at that point in time the noise died down and it sounded like adult footsteps coming up the stairs towards my room. The footsteps, I'd say, probably got about three-fourths of the way up the stairs and then everything went in reverse. The steps went back down the stairs, the children laughing and playing, back down into the basement and the door closed. What? 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 We have not heard anything like that. It was wild. And I've been in a lot of weird places and seen a lot of weird (laughs) in my life. I have never experienced anything like this. So, you know, when I got up, I thought, that just doesn't make any sense. The lock on the door was fine when I got up. That's the first thing I checked, you know, having breakfast for school, just sitting at the table and I wasn't eating. I was just kind of picking at my food. And my brother had come downstairs and he sat down and he said, uh, did you hear anything last night? <gasps> oh, and I was like, no! I was like, 
oh my God, oh my God, it wasn't just me. So I knew it wasn't just my imagination at that point in time because my brother, he was not into the same stuff I was. He right. never would have said anything if he wouldn't have heard it. And that was my first real experience in paranormal supernatural activity. Dang. Yeah, that is a lot Yeah, for one kid. And how old were you at that point? I was 12, I think. 12? Did you ever hear any background yeah. on the house? No, you know, I looked it up a couple of years ago. I once we had Google Earth and the house has since been torn down. Oh. There's nothing there on the property anymore. Do you still help people or do cleansings? Like if somebody wanted to reach out to you and get mm -hmm. some advice, how could they get in touch oh, with you? Oh, absolutely. I just have kind of people reaching out on Twitter with questions, but okay. it's more word of mouth. So people could reach out to you like on Twitter. Is yeah. Shadow Lemaire on Twitter? You are pretty easy to find there. Yeah, I think the handle is at SheWitch. Herself. Oh, perfect. She was yeah. herself. Well, Shadow, thank you yeah. so much for taking the time to talk to us. And Yeah, and I love your podcast, by the way. It's one of the best ones out there, I think. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Oh, please, tell all your friends. <laughs> yeah, man. pass it along. I do, I do, absolutely. Thank you. And get well soon. Take yes, care of yourself. please. Appreciate that, ladies. Have a good one. And Rebecca, you know what time it is. Dead Pat of the Week. Okay, so I am loving the new Dead Pet of the Week intro. Um... It's so creepy and adorable all at the same time. And this week's Dead Pet of the Week comes from Reddit. My cat of 14 years recently passed of old age. I've had lots of other pets, but I was very close to her. She's also the only one who died in the home and is buried in the backyard. Since then, I've had two instances where I saw the cat in the house. One was at my feet. I very clearly saw a cat walking towards my legs, tail in the air. In the blink of an eye, the cat was gone. The second time, I was going up the stairs, and at the top, I saw a cat dart into a room. It took me a few seconds to realize there were no more cats running around. But the reason I'm sharing this is because after moving to college, my stepmother visited and told me she saw a cat too at the top of the stairs darting into her room. So now I'm kind of okay with the idea that my little kitty is just casually haunting the house. Oh, that's so sweet. I wonder if like a pet dies in the house, if that makes a difference because we just lost our kitty JB, but we had to have uh -huh. him put down at the pet hospital. And of course I've been looking for him like, you know, I keep hoping I'm going to see yeah. him somewhere in the house and I haven't. Yeah. And I wonder if you're a vet or you work at a pet hospital, do they ever see things? Ooh, yeah. that's a great question. I can't help but wonder about it. In fact, our vet is a really good friend of mine. So I'm going to ask her about that. Uh, so we recently heard from Sarah about this haunted doll that she owns. So Sarah says, I've loved dolls since I was a little kid. And a few years ago, I got into restoring and customizing American Girl dolls. I'm an aesthetician and a makeup artist, and I love making a doll look better than new. So clearly, I'm not afraid of dolls, and I've always had them around. Last year, I started looking into purchasing a haunted doll. I'm a mothering type and thought that maybe I could be there for one of them like I am for my daughters. So she says, I adopted Bridget from eBay. Her seller rarely posts dolls and had an amazing review, so I knew she was the real thing. I felt very called to Bridget. So Sarah says that Bridget was purchased from an estate sale and that the spirit inhabiting her passed away in a mental asylum when she was 17. So Sarah knows all the details, but they're pretty awful, so I don't really want to share them here. Sarah communicates with Bridget using a pendulum, which is almost like a Ouija board. It's like a crystal on the end of a string and she swings yeah. it around and that's how she answers questions. So uh, she says, while I've never seen a full body apparition, Bridget often comes to me at night and touches my leg or settles behind me like a squeeze of pressure. Her presence is very calming. It feels cold sometimes and sort of staticky. And you and I were just talking about the static last weekend. Um, yeah, what the actual... Yeah. <laughs> so Sarah says, anyway, if you'd like to chat with me about it or mention 
mention my girls, that's totally fine as long as you don't make fun of me for it. I know dolls aren't for everyone and that they have a reputation for being possessed with movies like Annabelle. There's actually a whole community out there of haunted doll owners. There's even a Facebook group for them who have been really helpful with tips as I have learned along the way. I'm not entirely sure why Bridget chose to stick around, but I've learned a lot about her through the pendulum. I love having her around, especially since I spend a lot of my day with a toddler. Having Bridget around has taken me from, I'm pretty sure the spirits are real, to this is also real. Holy shit, I just got hugged by a ghost. Everything I thought I knew about the world is blown away. It's like being part of a Harry Potter world or something. It's pretty amazing. I'm just super careful about who I tell as I don't want to freak people out, obviously. So go to hauntedaf.com go to Facebook, go to our Twitter page. We are going to share. She sent us a bunch of pictures of Bridget. She sent us like when they went on a beach trip together and Mm -hmm. her daughters playing with Bridget. It's pretty fascinating. And if you are interested in her blog, we're going to share that as well. So you can go and read Sarah's blog about her adventures with this haunted doll. For me, it's pretty shocking just because there ain't no way in hell I would keep something like that in my house. No, uh -uh. and I'm not going to go out and seek something haunted to buy and own and around. If you do go to her blog, please don't give her a hard time. No trolling. I don't think any of you guys would do that anyhow. Uh, right. And definitely go to hauntedaf.com so you can see these pictures. I definitely have more questions for her. Did she say how long she's had Bridget? I'm thinking maybe a year or two. So I just worry that it's putting on like a front and then bad stuff is going to start to happen because that's kind of what we always hear when it comes to dolls. She has another haunted doll and she seems kind of comfortable with the idea of spirits attacking attaching themselves to not just her or other dolls, but to her kids. I mean, I don't know. This is out of my realm of knowledge. Same. Like, if you're cool with them attaching to yourself, great, because you've given them that permission. But I'm going to say do not give them permission to attach to your children because they, I mean, if they don't have a say-so in it, I don't think that's right. I get it because it's really, we don't understand and you don't always know what exactly is attaching. Yes. I wonder what the dad thinks. Great question. (laughs) Again, I think we need to talk to her because I can't stop thinking of all these different scenarios with these dolls. Maybe we'll give Sarah a call because yeah, I agree. There's a lot of questions there. So we'll figure out how to do that and get Sarah on the phone. So Christina from Nashville reached out through hauntedaf.com and she says, hey, ladies, Ladies, I love the podcast. I've been listening for the last week and still have not caught up. But I was wondering if you had ever read this series of posts on Reddit's No Sleep. It's from mm-hmm. a search and rescue officer for the U.S. Forest Service. And this person tells several stories that will give you massive chills. So here's the first story that I read. He says, I was teamed up with another officer because we had received reports of bears in the area. We were looking for a guy who hadn't come home from a climbing trip and we found him trapped in a small crevasse with a broken leg. He had been there for almost two days and his leg was obviously infected. We were able to get him into a chopper and I heard from one of the MTs that the guy was absolutely inconsolable. He kept talking about how he had been doing fine and when he got to the top, a man had been there. He said the guy had no climbing equipment and he was wearing a parka and ski pants. He walked up to the guy and when the man turned around he said he had no face it was just blank he freaked out and ended up trying to get off the mountain too fast which is why he had fallen he said he could hear the guy all night climbing down the mountain and letting out these horrible muffled screams he says oh my god (laughs) he says that story bothered the hell out of me all right one more story from christina this is the last one and probably the weirdest one yet Now, I don't know if this is true in every search and rescue unit, but it is in mine. It's sort of an unspoken, regular thing we run into. You can try asking about it with other search and rescue officers, but even if they know what you're talking about, they probably won't say anything. 
We've been told not to talk about it by our superiors. And at this point, we've all gotten so used to it that it doesn't even seem weird anymore. On just about every case where we're really far into the wilderness, I'm talking like 30 or 40 miles, at some point, we'll find a staircase in the middle of the woods. It's almost like if you took the stairs in your own house, cut them out and put them in the middle of the forest. I asked about it the first time I saw some and the other officer just told me not to worry about it, that it was normal. Everyone I asked said the same thing. I wanted to go check them out, but was told very emphatically that I should never go near any of them. I just sort of ignore them now when I run into them because it happens so frequently. Dear Lord in heaven, that is terrifying. And by the way, we're going to share Christina's link at hauntedaf.com. That way you can read the rest of the search and rescue officer's stories. Not all of them are ghost stories, but they are amazing. Be sure to tune in next week when we hopefully have a bunch of your voice memos to share. We're getting lots of written stories right now. We may have to postpone interviews for just a little bit, but we would love, love, love it if you guys could fill that space with your own voices. So keep the memos coming. Again, that's hauntedafpodcast at gmail.com. And we will share it all on the next Haunted AF. All right, guys, don't forget to subscribe to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever your platform is that you love listening to. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, or you can chat with us directly on our brand new website, hauntedaf.com. Got to say thanks to Andrew Mamaliga for our theme song and to On Air Media for titles and technical support. And of course, we got to thank you, the listeners. Thanks for listening. By the way, Julie, if I die first, I'm coming back to haunt you. Oh, come back to haunt you too, Rebecca. Aww.